Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 13. Today, I'm talking with Ricky Simpson, a husband, father, and church utility player. You know, the guy in baseball who can play any position on the field? That's Ricky. He preaches, teaches, plays the drums, runs sound and lighting, and he's been involved in both youth and children's ministry. Bottom line, he just loves working for the kingdom of God. We had Ricky's wife, Jessica, on the show back on episode two, and the two of them are a dynamic ministry duo who are a true gift and blessing to the congregation of Calvary UPC in Lemon Springs, North Carolina. And they are people Dave and I are honored to call our friends. On this episode, Ricky shares the incredibly vulnerable story of his struggle with pornography, beginning with the first images he encountered as a child to the years in Bible college when the problem really took root in his life and how he carried the issue into the early years of marriage. We discuss how looking at pornographic images was just a symptom of other underlying unresolved issues in his life and how a culture of punitive consequences held him back from asking for the help and support he needed. We also discuss the importance for singles of letting God lead your path to marriage because he knows what we need better than we can imagine. Most importantly, Ricky offers a message of hope to anyone who is struggling, whether it's with pornography or with something else that you can't seem to overcome on your own, but you're afraid to reach out to anyone for help. This is a moving, powerful episode full of hope and encouragement for healing, deliverance, and living a life of true freedom. I know you're going to be blessed by the testimony and wisdom in this conversation with Ricky Simpson. Ricky Simpson, welcome to Good Question. Thank you for having me, Jessica. I'm glad to be here. I am. Excited to have you on here today. We're going to talk about a little bit of a personal topic, and I appreciate your willingness to offer some transparency around an issue that I think a lot of people struggle with, but not a lot of people talk about. So I'm thrilled that you were open to coming and talking about it, and we can try to help some people feel less alone, which is one of our goals here on this show. Before we start, I'll just have you go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from and what you're about. Well, I am Ricky Simpson. I, of course, born and raised um, in North Carolina. Um, That's where I currently am. But I'm married to a wonderful wife, Jessica, who you spoke with earlier on in one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. We have two wonderful, amazing boys, Bryce and Gabriel. Bryce is uh, 14, going on 15. Gabriel is 10. And they are my absolute life. I love each of them very much. And and really, I'm fully involved in ministry. Of course, I do have a have a job that I work every day, but I'm highly involved in ministry at our local church and just doing whatever I can do for the kingdom, working in multiple ministries, kids ministry, youth ministry, media ministry, sound ministry, music <laughs> ministry, you name it. I've been involved in it either at some point or am currently, but I love I love the church. I love the kingdom of God. I love the body of Christ. And um, anything that I can ever do to help move the mission forward, that's what I'm about. And I'm just so thankful that God's called me and given me the opportunities that he has. And everyone that comes, I just go into it with everything I've got yeah. and uh, see lives change. So, Yeah, I know. I can say this about you because we were together there in church for about four years and got to know you and your wife, Jessica. And you guys just have a spirit of excellence. Everything you touch, you make it better. So we were blessed to be able to to get to know y'all for a little while and sure do miss North Carolina and our friends at Calvary. Well, we got together to talk about pornography. And a couple of episodes back, we had Adam and Carissa King on talking about sexuality and 
being more open in conversations, both in the church and in our families. And this is one of the topics whenever you start going a little bit deeper into that subject, this is one of the topics that comes up. So we don't hear a lot about it. People are often reticent to share their experiences because again, like one of our recent episodes, there's a lot of shame that comes with admitting that you struggle with with pornography. But I would like to hear your experience with it and how you've overcome it. So that's kind of the path we're going to take today. But just to start off, how did this become an issue for you? How old were you? And and how did that begin in your life? You know, as I was thinking about today and this issue of pornography, I think the most important thing that I want to say from the outset as we're going through this, and it's kind of be the foundation for this whole conversation, is that you know, whoever's listening, if you're listening to this and, and you're maybe struggling with the addiction of pornography or, you know, whatever the case may be, but maybe you're not and you're just here listening today. I want to remind people and until maybe not even remind, but for the first time, maybe in your life, you hear somebody tell you this, but that you are worth it. Mm. And God sees you for who you really are and you're valuable in his eyes. And I think that's that is the key to to starting this journey of healing is understanding your worth and your value is not in the opinions of others, but it's not even what you think necessarily about yourself, but it's about how God sees you and values you and loves you unconditionally. But you know, Jessica, my story is one that I grew up in church. I was born and raised in an apostolic church. Church is all that I've ever ever known. I, you know, from the literally, I can remember even as a child, even then being on the platform in the churches when I was, you know, three, four, five years old Mm -hmm. uh, on the platform, speaking and singing and even sometimes being pulled up on the drums. I mean, I just, I was, church has been ingrained in me. It's all I've ever known, but, you know, I'm almost 40 and I still remember the very first time that I saw pornographic images. And I don't remember my exact age, but I remember as a kid, I was in our in the garage of my mom and dad's home. And they was just in the garage and they had had a, had a box of stuff that I guess they had acquired from somebody at work or something. And it was in that box that their... I stumbled on some pictures. Somebody Mm -hmm. had some very private (laughs) pictures that shouldn't have been, obviously, and I think was probably left there by mistake. I don't know. But I came across them, and I still, to this day, remember Mm -hmm. those images. And there wasn't many, but it was a few. And, you know, Mom, I think Mom was the one that saw me going through the stuff, or maybe I took them to her, showed it to her. I can't remember, but I just remember her getting involved in it and taking the box and taking the images. And, and that was, that was kind of that. And, you know, I grew up, I tried to really write a lot of this down and and make notes, but I think over my life growing up and is that I, I just never really had what I would now call a strong biblical understanding of sexual purity. And having that that mindset and that teaching that allowed me to understand um, one who I was in Christ and what God intended for my life regarding sex and its intentions um, and its place in our lives. And you know, I grew up, like I said, in church, being involved in ministry. But there was there was some underlying things going on in my mind and in my heart that I never really discussed, I never really shared. But like I said, you know, this topic of sex in general is just was not something that was openly conversed in my home growing up mm-hmm. and in a safe and productive way. And so I just grew up and became a teenager. I was a good kid. Uh, you know, it's like I said, I was involved in church, had great grades, doing well in high school, just tried to behave myself and be a good kid. So I wasn't getting in trouble with mom and dad. That mm-hmm. was I was just, you know, let's just avoid trouble at all costs because if trouble <laughs> came up, I knew the wrath of God was coming down. <laughs> I think, you know, as a parent now, my word is so, being a parent is so hard. And it's like you're trying to raise kids in the truth. And 
protect them from things in the world. But, you know, I, I look on it now and I'm like, even as a kid, there has to be a place for communication to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think too often kids, teenagers, adults even, there's just not enough safe room to talk about what you're feeling mm-hmm. without the fear of retribution, without the fear of attack or just being put down and accused and ridiculed. It's just not. And so, you know, I um, grew up a teenager, um, still actively involved in ministry. Even as a kid, people would tell me, oh, you're going to be a preacher one day. Mm-hmm. You're going to preach and, you know, on and on. And, you know, it's just, and I love doing ministry work. Uh, and I always have. So I ended up going to Bible college out of high school. And we talked about the initial image um, images that I saw as a child. I, I don't recall, um, and I seriously don't believe that I ever looked at porn, pornographic images again. Um, but when I attended Bible college, it was like a culture shock on steroids. I mean, mm-hmm. I I seriously... Of course, you know, I grew up born and raised in an urban community. You can probably tell by my accent <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, I've I've been around the city life <laughs> the majority of my life. But no, I, growing up living somewhere where, you know, you have to drive 30 plus minutes to get anywhere, moving into a city life was just, I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. Yeah, I was 18, but I didn't know what I was doing. And I found myself just in this place of just awe and wow and so much to do and so much to see. But as the students and, and people started coming into college, it was this whole atmosphere of just like, wow, you know, all these people from churches and cities and states all over the country are now here. We're all here together and we're hanging out. And it was just over time, I think. I began to question what it was that I actually believed about myself, about God, about, you know, these things. But but it was in time that I just, I don't know, it, there was, you know, not having that platform, I feel like, as a child, and I'm being very transparent here, of growing up feeling like, you know what, I can be myself. Mm. I can talk about what I'm really feeling. I didn't, Jessica, I didn't have that. Mm. And it's hard for me to say that at almost 40 years old, but I didn't. Mm. I never felt like I could really explain how I'm feeling today. And I never felt like I had somebody that reached out to me to say, Ricky, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling? And that, Ricky, you're valuable. And Ricky, you're important to me. Ricky, and, and you know, and, and it's this whole idea that, man, I just felt alone. And, mm. and here I was finally in Bible college as a teenager. And, you know, 18, 19 years old and really having no clue who I was. Hmm. And it just as I began to meet other people who had different belief systems as I did, which I didn't understand because I'm like, if we're all in church, we should all believe the same thing. Oh, no, Hmm. that's not the case. (laughs) People are different and people Mm -hmm. have different upbringings. And it was in that spirit of compromise, that spirit of compromise ultimately led me to a place of curiosity. And um, here I was now in my own dorm room by myself alone. And it was at some point that I just, in that spirit of compromise and that opportunity, those seeds that were planted in my brain so many years ago began to take take root and manifest themselves. And, you know, when it was one day in the dorm room at Bible college, I started looking at images and that was the downhill slope for me that just became more and more aggressive and images turned into more images to more and more different content. And then ultimately from images, even into video. Um, and so it just progressed. It just progressed. And yeah. And all the while I'm in Bible college and going to class, involved in ministry, doing my thing. Mm. But I was, I was in a world of struggle and hurt that unfortunately I felt like I was just all on my own. Mm. So at that point, when you're in Bible college, I'm imagining if you didn't feel like you had anyone at home that you could talk to, that there probably wasn't anyone in this new environment that you felt comfortable sharing this with either. No, you know, and that's and that's the thing is like, you know, there's so much you go to Bible college, there's so much at stake. You know, I went into my first year with scholarships. I mean, it was a God thing how I ended up at Bible college there in St. Louis. and. 
you know, God worked it out, opened up the doors. I had been praying about the opportunity, where I should go, what I should do, and what where my ministry was taking me. You know, so I ended up there and, you know, I just didn't. I didn't feel like I had anybody because there was just so much at stake. You know, mm-hmm. I had my mom and dad who were obviously like, hey, my kid's at Bible college. I had my pastor. I had the church. I had all the people from home that were like, man, look at Ricky. Look at what he's doing. And I I knew that if if I brought this up, I was done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just felt like I'm done. If I bring this up, it is, I'm over. And so, yeah, I just kept it to myself while inwardly I kept that to myself. I think the thing was looking back on it now, outwardly, there were things that that manifested that while I kept a lot to myself, a lot of that reason why I was by myself was because of how I acted outwardly, you know, in, in my interactions with some other people and things that I said and did. But it was just this constant battle and struggle that I was facing literally every day. And yeah, you just never felt like. I was like, well, I just had this feeling of who am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Mm. Just put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so. Yeah, I can imagine. And I find that so interesting that you felt if I bring this up, everything falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your perception of the situation or was that, did you see that happen as far as, was that a policy at the Bible school or Did you feel like you were going to lose your scholarship? I mean, I'm just thinking about the way that we set each other up to fail. You know what I'm saying? Or or to keep things hidden whenever, if we can bring them out and deal with them, we could help someone. But instead, for whatever reason, people feel like I can't tell anybody because if I do, the consequences are going to be too huge. This is one of the things that was so interesting about this whole time at Bible college and in my struggle with pornography was that everybody's in their own dorm room. Everybody has a computer. And this was, granted, this is in the early days, one, of the internet. I mean, the internet hadn't been going on too long. I mean, we were still, we were one, we were on dial-up, okay? <laughs> so this is the AOL. Everybody's floating around. Literally, there were some dorm rooms that were just stacked full of those AOL, AOL and Net Zero disc that you used to get all the time. <laughs> yeah. and had the free codes. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in Bible college. We're just using the free codes and putting in a new email address, a new account number. And it was just, you know, one thing after another. And then, you know, even the internet speeds there were horrible at Bible college. But, you know, everybody being isolated in their own room and there was computers everywhere, it was definitely easy access to it. But it was at some point, and this still today, I just look back on it. And I'm, I, I just got all I can say is God had a plan. And I'm just thankful that he's helped me through this. But it was early on the pornography issue became a hot topic at Bible college. Mm. I think that's lesson number one is that you think you're the only one, but you're really not. Yeah. And and so I remember we had I, I want to be careful about naming names of oh, people yeah, of here. Course. But we had a big meeting essentially with all the guys and there was some administrators in the college that met with us and was like, basically, hey, we know what's going on, that there's some stuff that's happening um, with pornography, things that you guys are watching on your computers. And they started taking action and people were reprimanded, you know, removed. People were sent home from Bible college and computers were taken. And and it's just a lot of stuff that was happening. A lot of people were getting caught. Mm. But in the room sat this little old country boy from North Carolina, who I don't know how how it happened, Jessica, but I never got caught. Mm. And with all everybody else that was that was getting caught, sent home, removed from Bible college, things that were happening all, were all around me. But I never got hit with it. That was something that Stephen still today. I'm like, I, I just don't understand how, with all of my ignorance, how <laughs> in the world did I avoid that one? You know, but I did, and so I just pushed through it. But it was also that you know that. Just growing up, you know, my mom and dad, I mean, they were, they loved me and my brother, but I knew, man, they were strong disciplinarians. And I just knew that if this were to come out, I could only imagine what would happen. You know, like I said before, I just didn't, I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let, I just, I just didn't want to deal with the pain and the embarrassment that would have come from that. Yeah. And so it was just better if I just kept quiet and kept myself and, but it just got deeper and deeper in that silence. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, and I understand that a Bible college or a youth group or whomever has to have, you know, you have to have policies and you have to have standards that you hold people to. 
But do you feel like that's an effective way to deal with a problem like this? To say, we're going to come down with like retribution on on people yeah. who are known to have this thing going on in their lives. I don't. I think that's one of the biggest issues in the church. I mean, the church should be the place where we help people. And we, and I'm just, as somebody who's needed needed the help of the church, I have to be very transparent to say in, in this avenue, in the avenue when we're talking about pornography and sexual addiction, the church has failed. And it's, it's strong and it hurts to say that, but it's a reality. Yeah. Um, as a 40-year-old man who can say, I literally grew up in this thing. This was something that was never really addressed. I mean, aggressively or in such a way that it provided an opportunity for people to open up and feel safe. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that's the biggest thing for me is like, there was just never an opportunity for the church. The church never presented itself in such a way that I felt like I can open up, I can go to somebody and say, hey, I'm struggling with this and not fear that, man, I'm going to get booted out of here mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to deal with, I mean, Bible college was, yeah, it was a lot going on, but you know, I, I was making, I had friends there, people that I met and was introduced to, I made a lot of good friends, but you know, I was involved in the music ministry there in the choir and crowd. I was traveling, playing drums, doing the things that I love to do. That was the bit, little bit of positivity mm-hmm. in my life that I just didn't want to lose. Yeah. I mean, there's just those little things that's like, man, this is so good. This is makes me happy. This is what I enjoy. You know, I didn't want to lose that, even if it meant that I myself would suffer so much, both in the present day, in that present day, but then in the future. It just didn't matter. I, I just I chose just to be silent about it because I just felt like there was no safe way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. So. How did it progress from there? You went on to get married. Did this, was it something that followed you into marriage? Yeah. So, you know, I was heavy into it, you know, through my time at Bible college, went through four years. I'm a four-year graduate there at Gateway. And I, of course, met my wife, Jessica, there at the college. She was actually in the graduate school had just started. She was there the first year that the graduate school opened up. And so um, I met her there just casually, and it was kind of over a year, two-year kind of span there that I got to know her. And, of course, we ultimately got married after my senior year there at Bible College and graduated. We got married in the summer of 2003, immediately moved to Dover, Delaware, and we were youth pastors in Delaware for three years. And um, so we literally said, I do, went on a honeymoon. And seven days later, we had a youth group of oh. 50 people, that, 50 teenagers. They're like, here you go. <laughs> and, you know, I wouldn't trade any bit of that for anything. God did a lot of amazing things um, in that time, both in us and in those kids and in that church in that city. But it did. It it just it stayed with me. And and I can't. You know, I can't recall at what point in it that Jessica became aware of this issue. You know, at some point she was savvy enough on a computer that um, I think she stumbled up on it mm. at some point and then brought it to my attention. And it was at that point, the you know, the cat's out of the bag. It was a, a long season. And I say season, but it was many years of hardship in our marriage as I continued to fight this um, and struggle with this issue. Um, And it just, Jessica, we've talked about this so many times, but in talking about my struggles personally and the feeling of feeling that retribution, I I had mentioned earlier that my inner struggles manifest themselves outwardly. And it was during Bible college, you know, that I hurt, I made a lot of friends and I hurt a lot of people. And um, there was one person in particular that if people know me and and know my time, the details of my time at Bible college, they would know probably specifically who I'm referring to. It was a great relationship. And, you know, the thing about my family was everybody here that I knew was like, this is it for Ricky. This is the perfect uh, segue out of Bible college into the rest of his life and his ministry. But it was going into my third year that that relationship ended. And I remember, and that was 20, 
20 years ago, over 20 years ago, and it still resonates with me at times. But I remember somebody in my family telling me that I had just made the biggest mistake of my life and I would never, I would never find anybody like that again. And that really cut at me. And my struggle with that, and of course, that that feeling of not feeling valued and worth, it just, it, it was so deep. It's hard for me to describe, honestly, how, how much shame and how much worthlessness I felt about myself growing up. And it just layered upon layered upon layered. It got so deep as I got older, but God knew what he was doing. And God knew where I was at. God knew what I was struggling with. And God knew that I needed I needed someone exactly like Jessica to come into my life. Mm. And I, to this day, I thank God that things, the hurt, the pain, everything that was ever said to me and things that were done, that, that it happened the way that it did because I've learned from it. You know, the people that I heard along the way, I live with that pain and that regret and have had to ask for forgiveness and and try to build and just move on from that. But it's but God knew that it was going to take something strong to help me through this mm. because I could not help myself. And Jessica was that person. And I can clearly say that and see that now as I look and, and begin to see things about past relationships that I had had and that I was in in Bible college, Jessica was the one. She put up with me. And even from the first exposure and then again and then again and then again that she found out about it, she had all the reason in the world to just quit mm. um, and maybe you know, say, you know what, you, you're choosing this over me. I'm, I'm moving on. But she didn't. She stayed with me and she fought and she she herself hit a lot of, hit a lot of things and a lot of hurt that I had caused her. And we just persevered. And she loved me through every bit of it. And she has stayed with me through every season of it. And yeah, it's just, I can't say enough in this moment as to how thankful and grateful I am to have a spouse who believes that marriage is worth it. It's worth the fight. Mm -hmm. It is worth the fight. And ironically enough that as we were in the process of getting married, my in-laws were in the process of divorce. And so it was just, that was a whole juxtaposition, if you will, just like, wow, what contrast here we're trying to bring together and her family's being broken apart. But she just stood strong and persevered. And I can't say enough. God knew what I needed. Yeah. And that was the beginning. Little did I know, but I see it now that that was the beginning to my journey of healing. I think that's so insightful for you to look back and see that the Lord placed you together because he knew how she would respond because there, you know, there, everyone has a different, a different reaction to something like this. And it, I think a different capacity to deal with, with this sort of thing. And so yeah. knowing that you would need someone to, to stand with you and help you fight against it rather than someone who was going to, even if she was justified, say, you know what, I'm done with this. Yeah. I think that's, it's just beautiful to me how the Lord knows what we need more than we know what we need. That's right. Um, yep. And that's something that, you know, and that's not even really the topic of what we're talking about, but that's something that I try to encourage young people about is you have all these ideas of the things that you want and need in a spouse. And the Lord has this other list of things that you need that you don't know you need <laughs> and, and yeah. he knows what he's doing and let him you know, let him lead you and guide you, even if it doesn't seem like the direction you think you're going to want to go. He knows what he's doing and he knows better. And he puts us in the right place to be with the right people that will help us be who he wants us to be. Yeah, that is so true. You know, and I even recently within like the last year or so, I've had that very conversation with my oldest son, Bryce, about this idea that, you know, is he's coming into his teenage years, you know, the interest in, in girls is just is just bustling through his veins. And and it's like, you know, buddy, you need to take a chill pill and just <laughs> chill out a little bit. And, you know, it's it's the teenager thing. You know, he's got all the wisdom in the world and and seems to, you know, he knows he knows what he what he wants, I guess. <laughs> but I'm like, buddy, I'm like, you know, if if you'll just trust God and just wait. Yeah. Just wait. God's got somebody for you. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have that idea of I was never 
I never, I didn't have that understanding growing up that man, God's got something so special for you. If you just wait, mm. just wait and trust him and trust him. And I, and you know, looking at my life now, I push that with my kids that you've got to be patient and trust God with your life and just wait in the right time. That special person will come into your life at the right time. And it's okay to just wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait. And, you know, if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you're not past the point of being married. You know, <laughs> you've got, you've got time. Yeah. You've got time. You know, it's, there's no rush here. Once you say I do, you're committing to the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important to get it right. It's important to find the right person. And it's also, I think, even more important to, find that right person without having to also bring in a whole bunch of baggage into it as well. Yeah. And so the more you put your trust in God early on in your life, the better off things are just going to be because God knows what he's doing and he has the perfect plan. But yeah, you're, you're totally right about that. It's just learning to wait, learning to wait, learning to wait. And I, and the other thing that I'm, that I'm putting together as we're talking about this is, your struggles now or your struggles on the way, whatever they are, if it's pornography or if it's other struggles, those things don't preclude you from God having a plan for your life and for God having someone special or something that he wants you to do in the future. He sees the whole picture. Yeah. And even in the midst of your struggle, he can still be giving you the good gifts that he has for you because he knows that they're what going to help you become who he wants you to be. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that feeling of my life and my ministry is over if this gets out, that is the most destructive mentality that that a person could have. Yeah, Man, God's bigger than your problem. Mm. God's bigger than your addiction. And God is not, does not think like human beings think. His ways are not our ways. And people are flawed in the way we respond to people sometimes is is wrong and the way we the maybe the things we say uh, to try it with good intentions is just not appropriate in that moment mm-hmm. but god gets it right every single time without fail and i just think you know it's just it's that putting that trust into him and knowing that it's okay yeah. it's okay to open up and reveal yourself and ask for help yeah Ask for help. But like I said before, you know, the church, I feel like, you know, the church as a whole just has to do a better job of making that opportunity available to people. Yeah, I agree. So how did we get from from where you were married, still struggling to the point where you've you feel like you've overcome and you are walking in victory? Yeah. So I think the key to overcoming overcoming porn addiction is you have to address the root of the problem. Maybe we add this in the show notes and all, but you know, I spent a few years in counseling. That ultimately is where I ended up having to sit down and have many, many sessions with a couple of different counselors over the years. And to begin with, to really address my personal problem, and then ultimately transition into addressing uh, issues in our marriage. But, but it was in counseling that the root was was brought to life and and what the problem really was you know i think you know when you have this addiction especially growing up in church you hear oh you need to pray you need to pray you need to read your bible Mm. you need to talk to god you need to go to the altar you need to get your life right you know on and on and on and that's all good and it's all necessary and you absolutely have to do it the thing about it is though is that i did that Mm. and i went a season probably over a year without looking at anything inappropriate, without looking at pornography at all. And I remember thinking to myself, I have overcome this. Mm. That is the biggest lie (laughs) that you can tell yourself. Because what I did in that moment was I let my guard down. Mm. In one of my counseling sessions, there's a book that was um, recommended to me as really required reading. Counselor wanted me to read through. It's called Breaking Free from uh, Russell Willingham. And in that book, he talks about the root of the issue. And he says, you know, and he talks about his own personal struggle with with porn addiction. And one of the things that he talks about in there that really just stood out to me was he was like, you know, I, I spent my life, you know, I was telling myself, hey, I got to praise. He said, I was praying. I was reading my Bible. It was me and the Lord. We, well, I, was, I was doing it. You know, I had my relationship with Jesus on constant, talking to him, praying, reading my Bible. 
and things were great. But after a while, it's like then you find yourself thinking these thoughts again and you're looking at images, you fall back into it. Mm. And what is it? He said he he paints this illustration. He's like, literally, it's just like I'm just knocking the limbs off, cutting the limbs off of a tree. But the trunk and the root is still there and very much alive. Mm. And over time, we all like a pruned tree. You know, sometimes trees need pruning and makes them look better. But until you uproot it, it very is very much still alive. And you have to find figure out what it is that's that's causing that. And one thing that I've read in a couple different books, they say that at the core is the feeling of loneliness. Hmm. And it's addressing that feeling of loneliness. You know, we talk about resources and this may be something that we get to uh, again. And, and there's there's so many resources out there. But I think one thing that if people are saying, well, what can I do? What where, where can I go for help? Is you're listening to it right now. This podcast, Jessica, that you're doing, I think has has a greater impact than maybe in what you even realize. Mm. And as I'm sitting here looking, as I was looking over the episodes that, that has been thus far, there is a load of help and good information that I would say now is essential for people to hear and listen to and get a hold of. Brother Frank Jordan, episode one, some of the things that he brought up just about asking questions, getting that boldness to speak up mm. and ask, start a conversation is essential. You know, Sister uh, Val Hughes in episode nine talking about shame, that feeling of shame. That's that's something that you all that I feel that I have felt that feeling of shame and understanding what that does to you. And I think it's those moments when you realize, man, I'm not the only one or man, somebody actually gets it. Yeah. What I'm feeling. It's that revelation that that you are not alone. Mm. And so that combats the very root of the problem of this loneliness mm. and feeling worthless and feeling that you have no value and that nobody cares about you. And those those things come into your life in multiple avenues. Uh, maybe, you know, it's a struggles. Maybe it is struggles in your marriage. Maybe it's struggles in your family life or, you know, or who knows what it is. I mean, it could be multiple things mm. that lead to that. But it's that it's that root problem that I think you have to find it. And for me, it was some things that just it was to be a hundred to be very transparent and this is tough for me, but it was things that I dealt with as a child that I felt like I had nobody to go to. Things that I saw, things that I heard, things that I were told that I was told. I just, I had nowhere to run. Mm. And it, years and years and years of it building up, you just get to a point where it's like, you know, my life is meaningless. And uh, if somebody cares, let me know, <laughs> you know, in the process. And it took a counselor to sit with me and look me straight in the eyes and tell me, Ricky, you're worth something. And God's got something for you. And it's okay. Yeah, It's okay to not be okay. And that's something that, that, that you don't hear. Yeah. Unfortunately, that it's okay to not be okay. Then children need to hear that. Children need to hear that it is okay that you messed up. I mean, there's repercussions for it and there's going to be punishment, but you're not worthless. You're not any less. And I, I as a parent, I don't love you any less. I, and, and as a pastor, I don't love you any less. God doesn't love you any less. Yeah. We've got to be Jesus to the world. And unfortunately, we reprimand people and cut people down when it's completely unnecessary. And rather than helping them heal and build them up, but, you know, it's, it's finding that root issue and addressing it. And sometimes the fact is, is you cannot do that on your own. It takes counseling. It takes help to find that and to pull that out of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful because, and we talked about this um in the episode with Pastor King about getting Christian counseling. Yeah. The issue is not really the issue usually. That's right. It's not. It's there's always something underneath. Yep. And we spend so much time dealing with the symptom of the problem. Yep. And like you said, counting the days since the last time I looked at something I shouldn't have and building this up as I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, whenever that problem is still sitting there lurking, just waiting. 
to dump more shame and more feelings of worthlessness and more uh, messages that we're the only one. And I, I mean, I, I agree 100%. The best way to, to get to the bottom of that is to start digging it out. Yeah. And with somebody who can help you not get caught up in the weeds, so to speak, but can help you actually stay focused on what the actual problem is and how to get it out. I think that's so wise. And I think it's a message that a lot of us need to hear because we do spend so much of our lives feeling alone and feeling like we have to to deal with these problems on our own Yeah, when it's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's sad to know that even as we're talking about this, that there are world changers right now listening, probably even listening to this, that are struggling. Yeah. And their potential is being stifled by the inability to feel value and love from other people that they need in their lives to help them through this and out of this. And I just, you know, it's my hope and, and desire that you know, in the days and months and years to come that, you know, we as a church, as a body of believers, as, like I said earlier, Jesus to the world, that we wake up and start helping people and learning to love people through this yeah, and be that voice that they need. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the big ways that we do that is by standing up and saying, you know, you see me up here in the front leading this and, yep. and preaching that. And you know what? I'm just like you. I also struggle. Yeah. And there's nothing special about me other than the grace of God and his mercy that has kept me from walking away. Right. I mean, Ricky, I had so many other questions, but I think you've hit them all in some way or another. And I feel like, again, this is only the second time I've asked this of a guest, but I feel I feel like we need to have you pray over our listeners. Yeah, for sure. I I want to, as we conclude, though, I, I one thing about that that you had asked was you know, messages that I had received about porn. And there was one message in particular that I think started the healing, or I I say started putting, placing elements into the foundation of the healing for me. Mm -hmm. In this message, it was by someone who is not apostolic. He read a scripture and I want to, I hope it's okay that I share, read this scripture. Because if, you know, growing up in church, you, you, you read the Bible, you hear it read, but for the first time, I heard a passage of scripture that literally revolutionized my life because the scripture and the author therein, Paul, when, when he's writing the book of Romans, it became so real to me. And so I connected with it in a way that I, I don't think I connected with any other scripture before. And like I said, it started the path to healing. And, and it came in the version that he read. I think that's part of why it stuck out to me so much. Um, He actually read it from the message, and I want to do that here. I know some people have feelings about that, and that's okay. (laughs) It's just as powerful in other translations as well. But this is how it spoke to me, and so I want to share that. It actually comes from Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 17. It says, But I need something more, for if I know the law, but still can't keep it, And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment that I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't isn't that the real question? The answer. This, this is I'm getting emotional because this is this spoke to me. This is Paul talking, and then how real these feelings are that that myself and that others that are going through this are feeling every single day in the battle that you face every day. But he said that the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different 
Jesus is the answer. And I hope and pray that my life and my story and my testimony and this platform that God has given me can help people, help you heal and start on your journey to healing. And in closing, too, I think one other thing we talked about we didn't touch on, but Frank Jordan mentioned in his episode this concept of track and staying on track. And I think, Jessica, the most important thing that I can leave is we talk about getting help, but it's this principle of accountability. And if you're sitting there and you're by yourself, you need to find somebody that you can talk to and be accountable to and that, that you're willing to, to get inside your life and get inside this struggle and keep you in check. You know, the word track that he used, the letter A there stands for accountability. And I was thinking about what accountability is. And it's interesting. I don't think it's, it's you know, it's ironic, I guess, that a letter A is in the middle of that road. Mm. Is it, to stay on track, you've got to have that accountability. And what that accountability is, is it's somebody pulling you back against your intentions and your desires and saying, look, you don't want to go that way. You don't want to do that. We need to clean this up. You know, you, you're better than this. You're worth it. And helping you stay on that center line and to help you get where you need to go. But man, this is one of those episodes. This is one of those topics that could go on for hours and hours and hours. It's a major thing. And I hope and pray that through this, that conversations begin. But yeah, let's conclude. I'll conclude with prayer. I'm available as well, you know, to talk to people. I definitely open myself up to be a resource to talk to people that just maybe want to share and then talk. I'm here to assist and help in any way I can with people uh, struggling with this issue and need some guidance. But thank you so much, Jessica, for this opportunity. I really do appreciate it. I guess we, uh, let's just go into a time of prayer here. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today. God, I thank you, Lord, for everyone that's listening to this podcast. I thank you for those that, God, are listening to this today that that are deep, deep in their struggle with this, with sexual addiction, with pornography. God, I pray, Lord, for the pastors that are listening to this today. I pray, Lord, for the ministers, God, that are struggling today, that, that maybe, Lord, that, that they feel like, God, if, if this comes to light, that their life is over. God, I pray, Lord, for healing in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, there would be a transforming and a renewing of our mind to think on you and the things and your love that's eternal, your love that's that's never ending. And God, I pray, Lord, today for the marriages and the families and the children of those, oh God, in our Christian homes and our churches, Lord, that you would protect them and keep them. I pray, God, that love, your love, that we would be Jesus to the world. God, that we would love people in spite of their failures, in spite of their faults, and help bring healing to those that need it. God, that we raise up vessels and warriors and ministers for you that change this world. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, and I pray, God, that you would give, just give people the strength they need today to focus upon you and upon the things that you've called them to do. And Lord, we just love you, and I thank you again for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. I appreciate it so much. I know I believe it. I feel it as we're talking, as you're praying, as you're reading that scripture. It's it's going to speak to somebody. They're going to find it on the right day that they need to hear it. It's going to be a blessing to someone. We're going to help somebody break free just through, you know, through your willingness to be vulnerable and talk about your experience. It's what does the, the scripture say? We're overcomers by the blood of the lamb the word of our testimony and our testimony is just our story about what God has done for us and about how messed up we were and how much he fixed it. And so I believe that that's going to make a difference for someone. So we always wrap up with the same last question, which is what is a good question that you're asking lately? You know, I've got a more of a serious one and then I've got kind of more of a, I guess a silly one kind of put down a couple here. You know, one question that I, you know, that I'm asking that I've asked often and it relates to this very topic and other topics that you've discussed on this podcast. Why is the church silent on issues that are affecting our everyday life? Mm. You know, these issues of addiction, even as, you know, racial tensions, political things, you know, these things that are really weighing on the minds and hearts of the people. Churches seem to be silent on a lot of it. And uh, so, yeah, that's one question. The other question that I often ask myself, too, being involved in ministry, is I've just often wondered why sometimes preachers yell all the time. (laughs) 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 I just, I mean... Uh, just say it, you know, it's like, okay, you know, there's some, I mean, now no, no fault to them. 
I mean, there's, it's not saying that they're not powerful, but it's, you know, I just wondered sometimes. Some, <laughs> there are some preachers that they're like on level 100 and they stay there. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, how do you recover? How long does it take you to recover once you're through this message? You know? <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I love it. You probably didn't expect that one. That's but. awesome. No, it's a good question. And I have had the same one. What is that? Yeah. What is that doing to your vocal cords? Oh my yeah. goodness. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on Ricky. This has been a great conversation. Uh, like I said, I know it's really going to help a lot of people and yeah, I just appreciate you and your wife so very much. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for this opportunity and I'm enjoying your podcast and I just pray this thing continues to grow and lives are continued touched and changed through it. Thank you so much. I know I said it in the interview, but I just have to say thank you again to Ricky Simpson for his willingness to be open and vulnerable about such a personal topic. I am thankful for apostolics like Ricky who are stepping up to be transparent and let the rest of us know we are not alone. If you're struggling with porn or any other issue that Satan has used to convince you that you should feel ashamed and unworthy, I hope you heard Ricky's words. You are worth it. You are worth getting help to overcome whatever struggle is holding you back. You are worth addressing the root of the problem areas in your life. You do not have to resign yourself to a lifetime of battling symptoms on your own. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. If you are looking for more resources on this topic, we are including a list from Ricky in the show notes. There you will also find a link to the passage in Romans 7 that he read from the message, as well as links to the counseling resources we shared back in episode 7. If you want to reach out to Ricky himself, you can email him. His email address is rickysimpsonjr at gmail.com. We would love to continue this conversation with you. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. We're at Good Questions Show. You can find me at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and on-site tech support guru is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Walzik. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then. <laughs>